Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Test of motive. Okay. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, Father. Everybody has a motive. And motives can either be pure or impure. We, you know, I mentioned a few of this last week. You know, so impure motives, you know, can be illegal. Impure motives can be unethical. And it can also be ungodly. And sometimes the combination of the three. You know, so people show up. Everybody has a motive. So just understand that everybody that shows up in front of you, everybody that talks to you, everybody that is in a relationship with you, they have a motive. Having a motive does not mean it's bad. It's, it's when the motive is impure that is bad. All right? Then you can also have pure motives. And pure motives normally, okay? So pure motives can be selfless. It can be transparent. And of course, it primarily benefits other people. Pure motives primarily benefit other people. That's very, very important. It primarily benefits other people. And, and we know this, as we see in scriptures, even with God, all right? So we see that once you have an impure motive as an individual, once you have bad motives as a person, Okay, what happens without you knowing is that you send a signal to the realm of the spirit and you begin to attract other people around you that also have impure motives. You also have impure motives and eventually, eventually, you will be deceived while you are trying to deceive other people. You also will be deceived. Okay, you also will be deceived. Okay, and eventually the person ends up in destruction. So let's start today with an example and this example will be Judas Iscariot. You know, Judas Iscariot is one of those characters in the Bible that poses a lot of tro- problems for, for, for Bible scholars. In the sense that, you know, you hear Jesus say, one of you will betray me, one of you will betray me, one of you will betray me. He chose the 12 disciples himself after he prayed all night. In Luke chapter 6 verse 12, Luke chapter 6 verse 12, he prayed all night to God and then he chose 12 disciples. All right? And one of these 12 disciples was Judas Iscariot. All right? And he knew he was going to betray him. And of course, Judas Iscariot pointed him out and betrayed him. And there's a tendency sometimes to look at it and say, wow, wow. You know, Judas worked with Jesus all this while. Why didn't Jesus change him? You can also say to yourself that, okay, Jesus didn't change him. Why wasn't he forgiving? Why couldn't he find a place in repentance and all of that, you know, but and and sometimes also you might just look at it from another angle and say to yourself, Judas is carried. Why did he do what he did? And I really want us to take a bit of a look about him today and see why Judas did what Judas um, did. Okay, let's take a look at it, at this today. So in John chapter twelve, verse two to seven, I want you to just follow me. As we walk through his motive, because I have seen this in ministry. You know, next month it will be 21 years. I've had the privilege of serving in this capacity. I've seen this in ministry. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with Jesus. Now, you remember the story of Lazarus. He was one of the friends of Jesus. He died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So they were kind of like throwing a gratitude party, all right, for Jesus Christ here, an appreciation party, okay? And it was a dinner, and Lazarus was there, Jesus was there. Okay, so the Bible says in verse 3, Mary, that's the sister of Lazarus, okay, took uh, this Mary uh, in verse 3, okay, took a 12 ounce jar. All right, I'm moving too, too fast. Uh, Where is it? Verse 3, okay. Took a 12 ounce jar of expensive oil. <laughs> Move too fast again. All right, put it on the screen for me. Okay. Took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled 
with fragrance. Okay? Then the Bible tells us in the next verse that Judas Iscariot, the disciple who will soon betray him, said. Now, I wanted to see what is happening here. There was an appreciation dinner going on. And Jesus Christ was being appreciated. And the sister of Lazarus, okay, who has been raised from the dead, came to Jesus. And as an act of our worship, as an act of our worship, okay, of adoration, she took a very expensive perfume or, you know, uh, you know, and broke the, the box, alabaster box, and anointed the feet of Jesus. Okay, that was part of the culture of the day, okay, to in reverence, in worship, all right? And Judas was there. Now, I wanted to see the motive of Judas being revealed in this place. This is very important. And the Bible says, Judas Christ said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It was expensive. So basically, in today's world, this woman basically gave her annual salary, okay, her annual income. She gave it to Jesus as an act of worship, right? And said it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, if you hear this, somebody says, well, you know what? Instead of giving this to Jesus, you should have given it to the poor. It should have been of more help, giving this to the poor and giving it to the church. You will have said, ah, oh, their motive is right. Ah, oh, they know they have good ideas and all that. But you really need to know the motive and because the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the writing of the scriptures. And the man that wrote this particular story was in this party. His name is Apostle John. He was actually here. So he saw it and he knew Judas very well. Look at what he said happened. He said in verse 6, he said, not that Judas, okay, not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief. You see that? He was a thief. It's not that he cared for the poor, but look at what he said. He sounded holy. He sounded sanctimonious. He sounded very amazing. But the Bible says his motive is not that he cared for the poor. But he was always stealing the money. So the reason why he was upset was because uh, he didn't have time to be able to take... He, he wished they had given that whole box to Jesus Christ's ministry. He would have gone out to pawn it, maybe exchange it for money, and stolen the money again. So he had a terrible motive, and this motive was revealed to us. The motive was hidden behind his sanctimonious statements. And, I, and I, you know, this is amazing because this is something that I have seen in ministry. I've seen, and many pastors have fallen prey for things like this. People that come and they come in a very, they speak very sanctimoniously. They speak in a very holier than thou language. They speak in a very spiritual, mysterious language. You know, sometimes they even sound very mystical. I remember I preached a sermon some maybe four, five years ago now. And as I finished preaching, it was at the convention center. It was a Thanksgiving service at the convention center. As I finished preaching, a young man walked up to me and said, Oh, um, hello, Pastor. I said, Oh, hello, how are you? He said, um, he, said he said his name. He said, I'm from, um, he mentioned a country in Europe. He said, that's where he came from. Oh, I said, oh, praise God. Nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy the service. He said, yes. The, the first thing he said to me was that, he said, Pastor, he said, I don't know if you know this. He said, but there is a federal minister, federal minister, okay, in the Nigerian government that is in the congregation that, that, that comes to this church. That apparently, the man had been coming to church then for close to about a month. Something like that. Okay. He said, he said do you know he, just, he comes to church and just sits down there? I said, oh, really? I said, oh, praise God. I said, oh, thank God for that. I said, we are always grateful to God for the number of people he brings, you know, regardless of their status or where they come from, from in life. So he said, oh. So he was shocked to start with that I was not, um, I didn't start asking, oh, please, where's the man? Where's the card? Can I go and talk? He was shocked. That, I saw that he was, that really shocked him. Then, then, then we moved forward. So he said, you know, he, kept, he went back to it again and went back to it again. I said, I said, oh, okay, okay. He was thinking I was going to tell him, oh, come on, introduce me to the man. <laughs> Obviously, he, he had just been in the church for five minutes. He did not know me. But, but anyway, then he now told me, he said, uh, he said, do you know I'm a national worker? He said, I'm a national worker. He, then he put his hand in his pocket and brought out an ID card. I said, national. That was the first time in my life I was hearing something like that. I said, national worker. This must be serious. This guy must be very spirit. National worker? Are you a national worker? He said, oh, yeah, national, I'm a national worker. You know, he mentioned the country from Europe. 
He said, I'm a national coordinator. He said, the country coordinator in that place knows me. I'm a national worker. They deploy me nationally. Hey. I said, okay. I said, the only problem, the only issue is that we is a local church. We don't have a national issue here. You know. So while I was speaking to him, of course, his motives had been revealed to me now. This is a guy that's given to materialism. This is a guy that is looking for position and all of that. So I was just trying to extricate myself from the conversation. But if I take two steps away, he follows me again. I take two steps away, he follows me again. So I'm saying to myself, oh God, how am I going to get out of this? Then I, I was prompted to ask him a question. So I said, you know, ah, sir, very wonderful. I said, how is your family? Your wife, your children, did they come with you? Conversation has gone into the direction he doesn't want to talk about. Apparently, he had abandoned his wife and children. He had not been paying, uh, what do you call this now, child support for his children. He had run out of home, maybe ran away with another woman. Also, and this is a national worker. <laughs> He's a national worker. Interesting. You know. So I, I got back home. I was thanking I said, Holy Spirit, I just thank you. You know, national worker. Thank you. When people come to me and just say things like that, automatically, what they're telling me is lock the door very hard. <laughs> and I'll talk to you about that when we get to the test of relationships. Okay? He stole the money for himself. Then you could see how this little stealing for himself, having a wrong motive, when he did not deal with that, you see how the thing ended his life. So he agreed to betray Jesus and he went in Matthew 26 verse 1 to 4, when Jesus had finished all of, the, all of his sayings, okay, Jesus said to them, the Passover begins in two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. I thought at this point, Judas should have said, Master, I mean, when you finish in a minute, I just want to talk to you. And, and then you should have gone to Judea, Jesus right there and say, Master, you know, you were talking about somebody who betray you. I need to let you know some things. I've, I've been having some plans. I was upset about certain things you said and I was... I really wanted to, you know, I really wanted you to have it. And, but now I see that what I'm doing is wrong. Forgive me and all of that. No, he didn't do that. You know, and Jesus said, at the same time, the leading priests and the elders, they were meeting in the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, and they were plotting to capture Jesus and secretly kill him. This is a very interesting verse of scripture. These are the same people that are saying Jesus is breaking the Ten Commandments. It's because he's breaking the Sabbath. And they want to break the Ten Commandments by killing him. Isn't that interesting? So you have to watch out sometimes. People that are breaking the word of God, okay, and that are criticizing churches and criticizing other people, all right? So then the Bible tells us, let's look at the impure motives of Judas. Judas is carried out, Matthew 26, verse 14. One of the disciples, I love this verse, he went to the priest. He went to the leading priest. Now, I want you to notice that they didn't recruit him. He went to them. It was a conscious decision he made. He went to them and told them, look at what he said to them. He said to them, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? So, it was all about money for him. How much will you pay me? It was all about money for Judas. All about money. How much will you pay me I don't care what damage I will do to the kingdom of God. I just need the money. How much will you pay me? And this is very interesting, both for you, for me, and for the people for your, you deal with. Anybody whose primary motive is just money, 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 be rest assured, they don't have place in God's heart. In God's heart, they don't have a place. Be rest assured, be careful. Be very careful of such people. Many years ago when I was in the local church, you know, my pastor was having what we call a volunteers meeting, also known as workers meeting. And the question, he was just, was just you know, he was teaching us about uh, our relationship with God, you know, uh, being reflected by the way we re relate with money. And while he was saying that, and he was, he was asking for comments, you know, we all see young believers then. One man picked up the microphone and said, uh, you know, good afternoon, Pastor, and all of that. He said, me, you. This is what he said. He said, me, you, I love money. <laughs> That's what the man said. And everybody was like, like, wow. You know, some people clapped. Some people said, oh, he's honest. Some people said, he didn't ask for help. He didn't say, I love money. 
and I really need to get this out of my heart. Because our pastor has shown up from the scripture that the love of money, the love of money, not the possession of it, but the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't, he didn't say, help me, I don't want to be, you know, see evil in my life and all of that. He just, he said he loves money. You know, I don't want to tell you how, this, how his story ended. Okay? We've got to be very careful. So he wanted 30, notice he wanted 30 pieces of silver, which is what he got. And the Bible says from that time, after that agreement, Judas started looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. He started looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. In his own mind, okay, he had reasoned it out that all he's trying to do is just to help the high priest and all of that, to protect Judaism okay, against Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is trying to destroy, as far as he's concerned, you know, the law of Moses. So he has to protect it. So and he wants to betray Jesus. So, you know, <laughs> and, and, and then the Bible says in verse 48 that the traitor Judas, he had given them a prearranged signal, okay, how he was going to, you know, how he was going to get them betray Jesus. Very interesting. He says, you will know the one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. When I greet him with a kiss. And I say this all the time, it's not everybody that will seem that I have seen things in my life you know, I share with pastors all the time. Be very careful of the sister that every time they see you, they kneel down to greet you. Don't, and there's nothing wrong in it. Some people do that. That's what they love to do. That's fine. I'm, I was raised up by a father that you cannot greet standing up. My biological father. I don't know this. I mean, you can't greet him standing up. There were even times when you turn, you know, this is just our culture, okay? Just turn, you know, do a shortcut and give him a shortcut see. And he will tell you, what is, is your back paining you? Is your hand paining you? Come on, you prostrate. That was just my dad, my biological dad. Okay? So I was trained that way, so what can I do? I'm used to that, okay? When I see the general overseer, I do that. In fact, there's an iconic photograph in House of Praise in 2007 when the general overseer came to House of Praise while I was prostrating for him at the car park as he was coming out of the car. You know, somebody took the photograph and, and, and all of that. You know, so I, I, I personally do that, but doing that is not in itself. There's nothing wrong in it, but in itself does not mean that suddenly the pastor should say, "Oh, that sister is spiritual. Oh, that brother is spiritual." I've seen people that the ones that prostrate the most are the ones that stab you in the back. I've seen people that the ones that kneel down the most they're the ones that are the backbiters and the gossips that want to tear the whole ministry apart. Prearranged signal. And when he got to Jesus, he said, oh, greetings, Rabbi. Greetings, Rabbi. When we get to the test of relationships, maybe you'll you get to know that a bit more. You know? But Judas eventually went and destroyed himself. And the most interesting thing about it is that he never enjoyed one of those, one cent out of that money. Let's just use the word cents. You know? He never did. He never did. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. He took the 30 pieces of silver, he took it back to the priest. Took it back to the priest and gave it to them. You know, and what did those ones do? What did they tell him? Look at it now. They said, they said, he said, I have sinned. You know, in verse 4, he said, I have sinned. I betrayed innocent blood. The people said, what is that to us? That is your problem. This is what happens when people gather against a righteous person. They said, that's your problem. You go sit to it. You go fix that problem. That's your problem. That's your problem. You know, when people gather against righteous, let me say something to you at this point. I told you the other time that one of the doors, some of the doors to deception, one, pain, pain. Two, offenses. Offenses. You see, when you have been through pain or somebody had caused you pain and you nurse that pain and nurse that pain and nurse that pain and gravitate towards the people that will keep on helping you to nurse that pain without you taking heed of what prophet Haggai said in considering your own ways you know you don't examine yourself anybody that wants to point you towards self-examination you push that person away you don't want to hear you don't want to hear as far as you are concerned they don't love you they don't love you. Anybody that is telling you that the reason why you failed the exam is that you did not study at all. You were watching Nollywood movies all night. They don't love you. 
But what I will tell you that the reason why you failed the exam is because your stepmom is one involved. Then you are very happy. You see? <laughs> you are very happy. They're the ones that understand. They're the ones that understand. They understand. And what you are doing right now, then, is that you are growing this pain. You are going to, you've just opened yourself up to deception. I give you five years, then you look back at your life. You see, it's mashed potato. It's all messed up. You can't afford to do that. The Bible says, consider your ways. The Bible says, First uh, Corinthians, I believe, chapter 10, verse 31. It says, if we judge ourselves, then we will not be judged. Self-examine. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. This thing you are doing, examine yourself. At the end of the old day, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 12. If you are wise, you are wise only for yourself. If you scorn, you are the one that will bear it alone. Pain. Number two is offenses. You feel offended by a person. You know, you feel offended by a person and you, you get so angry and so upset by this offense, you want to equalize, okay, the pain you're feeling. In other words, you want them to feel pain also. So what do you do? You decide that you will teach them a lesson. I've seen this a lot, you know, in my experience. You want to teach that person a lesson. Because they must know that they offended you. And they must know that the way you felt pain, they must also feel pain. So you are going to teach them a lesson that they will never forget. You know, you know we say this when, we, you know, when I was growing up in Africa as an unbeliever. You know, you know street fight, somebody does something, you know, street fight. You tell person, I will sh- show you, I will teach you a lesson you will never forget. You know, so we bring that concept sometimes into the body of Christ. You want to teach them a lesson. You are seriously motivated to equalize your pain. And in doing that, you begin to make a big mistake. As a Christian, vengeance belongs to God. Every action you take to offend or to to cause pain in another person's life, you have sown a seed. If you read your Bible very well, you will understand what I'm saying. You have sown a seed. And that seed you have sown, ultimately God will keep you alive enough to reap it. You have to understand this. You can't, you can't do that. You can't say because you've been through pain. You have to, if truly you have been hurt, wounded, and offended, leave it to God. Let God be the one to judge. Don't say you want to teach the person a lesson. I've seen some churches whereby people have been upset with the pastor and they want to teach the pastor of that church a lesson. Pastor Adeboye, Pastor Adeboye, the presiding bishop over the redeemed Christian church of God worldwide, or what you call the general overseer, okay, also known as the general overseer of the redeemed Christian church of God, shared a true life story with us that happened in the redeemed Christian church of God. Okay. In this particular story he shared with us, there was a pastor. The pastor was a young man. You know, at that time, he was a young man. Young man, he didn't tell us his age. But he said he was a young man. And based on what happened in the story, I suppose the man would be in his maybe late 20s, something like that, or 20s or two, or maybe very early 30s. But he was a young man. And so there were some elders, kind of, you know, elders, older people in the church that could be his father, that could be his mother. You know, they were old enough to be his father or mother. And they were upset with him for some of the things that he did. They were upset with him that he wasn't coming to take direction from them about how the church should go and, and all of that. But he's the pastor of the church. They were upset. <laughs> so they decided that they planned for him. I know this happened in Africa, okay? It can't happen in this part of the world, okay? But this happened in Africa, you know? So they, they called him into a meeting one day and expressed their dissatisfaction with the way he was leading the church. Not that he was doing anything unscriptural, but because he was not taking the input to run the church from them. So the guy was defending himself and said, so they had, not knowing, they had planned for the man. So they locked the door. The man was wondering what's going on. And they said, we are old enough to be your father. We're telling you something and you're not listening to us. So they brought out, you know, instruments of motivation, also known as belts, (laughs) also known as belts, horse whip, and they started beating him. And they beat the pastor. So, you know, they beat the pastor. They beat the pastor. The pastor was so much in pain. He was in so much pain. Not only emotionally, but even physically on his body. Interesting thing about the story is this. That happened in a room in the corner. Nobody 
saw it apart from the people that did it and the pastor. And perhaps one or two people that the pastor mentioned to. That was it. <laughs> so a few months later, the man that led that meeting, Pastor Deboye told us the story. The man that led that meeting, his first son died. Every single person in that whole group, all of them lost their first son. Every one of them lost their firstborn. So Pastor Deboye said, well, we're asking, God, God, what is going on here? God said to them, God said to him, God said to Pastor Deboye, they beat my son. So they sowed a seed. They are reaping the harvest. We have to be very, very careful not to use carnal means to try and solve spiritual problems. We must never use carnal means to solve spiritual problems. Over, my, over, over, the, over the years I've been in ministry, and I, I give God praise for this, many times, many people have tried to recruit me to their own, of, um, to what, what, their own dissatisfaction with somebody. I have always excused myself from such recruitment drive. Just leave me alone. Let me just do my thing. I just want to preach my, the word and let me move on doing my own thing. I refuse to be recruited in such thing, into such things. Let's be watchful. Let's be very, very careful. They said, that's your problem. So the Bible said the man went out and he hanged himself. You know, he went out and he hanged himself. So this is what you have to do. Ask yourself these questions continually. Why do I want what I want? Why do I want it? You want to be a millionaire? Fantastic. It's available. But why do you want to be? You're a pastor. You're watching this. You're listening to this today. Oh, you want to pastor a mega church? Fantastic. It's available. But why? The question is why? What God really looks at first and foremost is the why. Why? I'm sure you remember the testimony that Reverend Sam Adeyemi of Daystar Christian Center shared with us here in the House of Praise some years ago. Okay, well, well, while we were still at Lengo Drive. But how he was praying to God, okay, to the Holy Spirit that the church is not growing, he wants the church to grow and everything. And then God asked him a question. Why do you want the church to grow? And he said in that testimony that he kept silent because he knew the reason he was going to give wasn't going to be in alignment with what God has in mind. He said, and the Holy Spirit told him, I also want the church to grow, but not for the reason you want it to grow. And of course, God quickly aligned his motives, aligned him. At that time, this was a very, very long time ago. Long time ago. Okay? Talking of in the 90s. You know? And God aligned, aligned his motive. And from then on, then the, the thing took off. It took off. So we have to ask ourselves, why do I want what I want? Okay? We have to, so if you seek reward without labor, you open yourself to deception and ultimate laws. I see some people do that in this part of the world. They're looking for reward without labor. Without labor, without any input. They're looking for reward. You know, you're opening yourself up to deception. Permit me to say something here. It might offend one or two people, but that have been victims of this kind of deception. But we have, let me, let me have to say the fact. I don't support the deception by any means. But and I'm not victimizing the victim. I'm just trying to say victims should wake up and use their brain. How can you sit in your house, you get a phone call, you see an email, you didn't pay, play any lottery, and somebody sends an email to you and say, congratulations, hey, you have won a lottery, so and so, your name was drawn out, you have won $100,000. You know you didn't pay, play any lottery, and you're happy, and you say, oh, call this number, you pick up the phone. You see that? You, your motive is not right. You pick up the phone, you call them and say, and somebody picks it up and says, oh, hello, um, my name is John. His name is not John. His name is Emma, and his name is not John at all. He said, my name, he said hi, hi, my name is John. I work for the so-and-so, so-and-so corporation. You know? You know uh, and he, said, he says, oh, congratulations. I want to say congratulations to you once again. Oh, he said, oh, you're smiling. He said, you have won the lottery. You don't, you don't tell them, I didn't play the lottery. He said, oh, you too, you're smiling to yourself, cheekily. That. Ah, 100,000. What will I do with that now? Ah, after taxes. Hey, 100,000. <laughs> you're excited. Then he says, you know, we have some um, uh, administrative things to just uh, work out on if you will, if you will send about 2.5% of it, 2,500, so that we can just walk through that and then we can mail it to you and go through the process. Uh, you say, okay, 2,005. You go to your friends. <laughs> you go and get 2,005. You wire it to the man. Then the man waits again. After that, and calls you again. You wire another 2,005. By the time you've done that three or four times, 
<laughs> but time you've done that two or three, three or four times, you know. So something tells you that. Then you go, you report to the, uh, you know, uh, if it's in Canada, you know, you call the police, RCMP or so. If it's in America, you call the FBI. You tell them, then you, then you, you know, they interview you. You're looking so morose. You're looking so sad that I was victimized. Hey, hey, <laughs> I feel for you. But you victimize yourself. You know, greed victimizes you. I, one of my f- programs in Amer- uh, on TV that I like watching is called American Greed. You know, I learned a lot from it. This is, this is what you call American Greed. Two greedy people. You know, this is the type of thing my mom, this is my, what my mom used to say. I don't know what it means, but I remember what my mom used to say. My mom used to say, hey, Koniman die, Koniman bury him. <laughs> you know, but I don't know what it means. But it looks like it means, you know, a, a deceptive man, you know, is trying to, you know, cheat somebody out and it meets with deception. I think that's so, it means something along those lines. You know, you can't do that. I got, I got these emails two or three times every week. I still got one about a few days ago. They said, I've won the 2021 BMW. Hey! Brand new. I did not play any lottery. I don't play lottery. And they said, I've won BMW 2021. How? I've never owned a BMW in my life. So then I'll now call. They said, call this number. Put in your name. Send us your name. The city where you are. So if you don't know my name, how did I win the BMW? <laughs> you see, these, are, these people are jokers. I said to myself, who do you think you are? You know, when people have the wrong motive, then you get your, there's no way you will not do that. I, I, I know of a young man that has a car. He wanted to sell the car. This car, you know, I mean, the whole car, the whole car with extra tire was worth about maybe $800. And that is really, I'm being, I'm speaking by faith. It actually is worth maybe about $600. That's what the whole, the car, the car is bruised, battered, messed up. Has no fuel gauge, wiper is not working, nothing is working in the whole car. Nothing is working. Even the heater, you have to be rubbing your hand to move. And he wants to sell this car. So instead of him to advertise here in Canada, you know, do what he has to do and sell it, then someone, if he advertises, I don't know, on, on the internet, somebody calls him and said they will buy the car from Europe. I said, ah. He was so excited, he said it's a testimony. <laughs> this was many years ago. I told him, I said, this is not a testimony. I said, why will somebody want to buy? Uh, 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 this kind of car that should be in the junkyard from in Europe. The money to transport this car, I'm not even sure he can pass the test to put it on the ship. <laughs> he was excited. The man told him he would send $2,000. So he was very, very happy. So they sent him $2,000 <laughs> for the car. He was happy. He said, ah, he said, it's a testimony. I said, watch out. I said, well, when they hold you down, don't come to me. I've told you this now. <laughs> so they told him, the point, I said, take the car to a particular place. So he took the car to a particular place. They met in the, met in the place from McDonald's somewhere. Somebody else took the car from there. They put the car on the flatbed. They moved the car up. And they paid him $2,000. dollars he saw it in his account. The following day, they made sure it was a weekend. He saw it in his account. The following day, I don't know how to do this thing. I'm not into all this. The following day, he went there, happy that he has $2,000. When he got there, when he got there, they debited his account already by $2,000. Fraudulent, he was gone. He came, to, he came back to me and said, Pastor, he said, you know, you were right. I said, well, how? What do, I, what, do I mean? what do you mean by that? I was right. He said, the $2,000 is not real. I said, I've told you. I said, didn't I tell you? Normally, a pastor is not supposed to say, didn't I tell you? But this one, I actually said it. I said, didn't I tell you that nobody will ever, even Jesus will not pay $2,000 for this car? <laughs> Don't, don't, don't try and reap where you did not sow. You see? You see? We have to understand. Proverbs 13 verse 11. You know, it said, Wealth gained by dishonesty, it will diminish. He that gathers by labor, let the ones that will increase. Okay? So if you love immediate gain, then you are set, setting yourself up for perpetual pain. If you love immediate gain, you are setting yourself up for perpetual pain. I had a man of God, I've forgotten his name now, he was sharing a testimony about how God took him through the wilderness experience, difficulties and challenges of life. Then God has now promoted him in ministry. Within a six-month period, things, uh, you know, things just started falling into place for him. And God has taken the ministry global, truly global. So he was sharing his testimony among some group of people, and, you know, people that he was mentoring. And somebody walked up to him there and said, you know, God did this for you 
you know, in about 13 and a half years altogether, you went through this experience. He said, but how can I do this in three months? Three months. <laughs> three months. Oh, God. People want immediate gain. Then they set themselves up for perpetual pain. By God's grace, I'm not looking for any immediate gain whatsoever. He that gathers by labor, gathers by labor, gathers by labor is the one that will increase. So we have to take note of this. The reason why nobody can cheat me out of any business transaction or, or confuse me about because you see this some companies they say um um Breitweight Investment LLC. Uh, if you put your money there, the guarantee returns is thirty five percent. Breitweight Investment LLC. Eh. <laughs> if you put your money in Royal Bank, in BMO, in TD Bank, in any other place. Maybe, you know, or you trade, you know, you know on, the inter- on, on the stock market. Maybe if you put the money in mutual funds, I don't know, but let's say 5%. But Breitweight Investment LLC. Then here you go, you go and take all your money, you mortgage your house, you put your money in Breitweight Investment LLC. And Breitweight is not really British. Breitweight is his real name. It's Ademitong Bobolojoluwa. That's his name. It's not Breitweight at all. It's very far from Breitweight. He just repackaged himself. Then he takes your money. He's gone to Nigeria. He's gone to somewhere. He's gone to Caribbean island. Then you say, oh, God, Satan has... No, it's not Satan. It's your greed. It's your greed in your heart. I don't put my money in any Breitweight investment. Anything that is not regular. <laughs> it's irregular. If it's not regular, it's irregular. If it's not irregular, it's irregular. You understand? Don't look for immediate gain. It can lead to perpetual pain. Let's move on quickly. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me stop you. The next test I want to talk about is the test of relationships. Perhaps, <laughs> uh, you know, you learn one or two things. I don't have the time now to go through all of this today, everything I wanted to say about relationships. But perhaps in the future, God will give us uh, an opportunity. We'll talk more about that. What I want you to know is that the greatest pain you will ever suffer in life will come through relationships. The greatest joy you also will ever see in life and experience will also come through relationships. That is why relationships are critical. Relationships are, you, can, you and I cannot do without relationships. So the earlier we know and know how to test relationships, the better for us. Okay? Because our greatest pain and our greatest joy will come through relationships. So our choice of relationships then Please listen to this. It's what determines our paths in life. Our choice of relationships determines our path in life. I cannot overemphasize this. Because I've seen many people that are wondering why some things are not working, not understanding that the relationships they have chosen are set God against them. Maybe we should look at 2 Chronicles chapter 19 very quickly. Let's start from verse 1. Okay? Uh, if, if, if you can, you know, change it uh, for me. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house. Now, he's coming here now to his house in Jerusalem, coming from Samaria, from the neighboring king, okay? Uh, the, the king of Israel. He is the king of Judah. He's gone to the king of Israel, who happened to be Ahab, okay? He's coming from there. Verse 2. Uh, please give me NLC, please. NLC. Please. Thank you. Jehu, the son of Anani, the seer, went out to meet him, to meet Jehoshaphat, and said, why should you help the wicked? Now notice this now. And love those who hate the Lord. Why should you love those who hate God? He asked the king. He said, because you have done this, the Lord is very angry with you. Now notice, the Lord is not very angry with Jehoshaphat, personally. But the Lord is angry with Jehoshaphat because of the choice of relationship. Some people don't have an idea at all why some things are not moving. Because of the people you have surrounded yourself with. Because of the people you have allowed into your life. He said, you love those that hate God. And because you love those that hate God, he said, God is not angry, very angry with you, Jehoshaphat. Very angry. We must make sure that we we can relate with people that that don't like God. We can relate with them with the objective of trying to win them to Christ and praying for them 
perchance God will touch their hearts and you know, minister to them. But he said, you trying to, you know, even in America, you know, the law in America, the law that says treason is a crime, says if you give aid to the enemy of the state, you know, particularly during the time of war, that's treason. That's basically what God is saying here. Those that hate God, those that don't want the kingdom of God to move forward, God, those that tell you that they don't like churches, churches are, churches are set up, you know, just to deceive people. Those are, you can't do you make people like that your best friend. How do you make people like that your best friend? You are stirring up anger from heaven towards yourself. Our choice of relationships is very critical. Let's go back to the slides, please. Very, very important. Okay, a determinant of our part in life. Our choice of relationships reflect our values. People say, oh, I'm a Christian. No. Oh, I'm this. I love God. Oh, I do this. But you can say all, everything you're going to say. Anybody can claim anything. But your choice of relationships shows where you are. It shows your real value. Your real, what you really, really, really value in life. Is it gossip you value? Okay. What do you value in life? What do you value in life? Or do you value personal development? What do you value in life? Do you value um, insincerity? Do you value, you know, lack of integrity? Are you surrounded yourself with people that have no integrity? And you say, oh, well, well, you know, what can I do to my friends? No, 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 no. No. Our choice of relationships shows us what we value. Bible says, walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with fools and you get into trouble. So some people have attracted trouble into their lives without knowing that it all came because they associated with fools. Who is a fool? Well, one definition of a fool in the Bible, Psalm 53 verse 1, is the one that says there is no God. The one that thumbs his nose or her nose at God. That's the Bible calls that person a fool. You can't associate with them because the scripture says there will be trouble. Now, Okay, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character. You can have good character, but if you keep bad company, it will destroy your character. I've seen people that don't drink, you know, they don't, they're not into alcohol at all, and they have friends that that is their thing. Then they start drinking. Well, I was caught into alcoholism and caught into cigarette smoking as a young man. I got into it because Everybody around me, that's what they were doing. I remember when I got my job, when I got a job in, in Smithland, which I'm in, um, it was called Smithland, which I'm then, now it's called Glasgow Smithland. Uh, in 1993, you know, uh, I did an internship there in 1991, then I went back there in 1993. When I got that job, and you know, I remember the first meeting we we're going to have, we used to call that, uh, you know, uh, a quarterly meeting, you know. That we're going to have. When we're going to have that meeting, we had it in an hotel that time that was still relevantly new, and it was it was it was an okay hotel. And all of this, everybody was young, you know. All of these guys, 24, 25, 23. You know, I was 23, going 24. You know, you have all these guys. They all showed up. All these guys all showed up there, you know, with their cars and everything. You know, it's a good job, you know, good pay. All showed up with the guy, cars, and all of that. And. The night before the meeting started, you know, we used to call this meeting PCM, pre-quarterly meeting, you know, you know. And as we're going to have this meeting, they all showed up, showed up, showed up. And as they showed up, everybody was smoking. Everybody was drinking. That was it. So here I am, I'm still a bit tentative. They say, oh, what's wrong with you? Come on, get out of it. You know, get out of it. Eventually, somebody lit a cigarette for me. The next thing, somebody has poured a drink for me. Of course, what can I do? I flowed with them. I flowed with them. I remember when they were you know, training me and they sent me to a particular city to go train with a particular manager. All right. He was a young guy too. He was about 30 years old. When I got there, he told me, he said, when you're coming, the training is going to start on Monday. But I wanted to get there on Friday. I was wondering what is going on. I said, okay, maybe you want to spend more time with me. I got there on Friday. The first thing, we went to two parties straight on Friday. Saturday, we went to other parties again. This is training. <laughs> training. And I went to get to the parties, you know, he introduced me to people and say, hey, this is my guy, you know, uh, and so on and so forth, you know, he's from Lagos, just came around. Um, so, you know, we're training him and all of that. Then 
you know, they'll give us drinks, they that, then you introduce me to some ladies, and so on and so forth. Don't judge me, don't judge me. I said I was an unbeliever. I said that already. Don't judge me. You know, he, he was not, and he was part of the training. After about, maybe, the training was supposed to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I was going to go back to my base. But I was going back. I couldn't really say I have learned anything. You understand? He was just, he was just, so, you have people that are like that, and when you associate with them, ultimately, ultimately, my mom used to say, if you keep on walking with dogs, you will smell like a dog. Not, not the dogs we have here in Canada that sleeps in the bedroom. You know, the dogs in Africa, I mean, you know, what I'm trying to say. You know, you, 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 you have to be careful. Bad company corrupts good character. Be careful of, of people that want reward from you no, and not a relationship. Let me spend a couple of minutes here. People that want what you have, but they don't want a relationship with you. I, I, I have seen this. Particularly, let me say this to you. If you're listening right now, and you're a person of influence, or you know you're on your way to really, really being a person of influence, one of the ways you know people that should never, never qualify, all right, for intimacy with you, that should never, never, that you should not bring into your circle at all, are people that want the fruit of your life, but they don't want to learn the seed that brought about that fruit. People that want to use your influence, that want to get something from you, but they don't want a relationship. Be very, very careful. Such associations has only one outcome. Pain is going to ultimately lead to pain in your life. Be very careful. Be very, very careful. Okay? So, you have to understand the difference between these categories of relationship. Confident, a comrade, a colleague, and a companion. A confident, a comrade, a colleague, a companion. You see, what some people don't understand is they meet somebody in church in a car park, and you know, they greet each other and say, Oh, nice, nice to see you. Wow, what's your name? Oh, my name is Wally. Oh, what's your name? My name is Tope. Oh, it's a pleasure meeting you. Praise God. Nice meeting you. Come to this. Oh, yeah, come to this church. This my church. Oh, praise God. Automatically, they think the person is a confidant. They exchange phone numbers and they assume the person is a confidant. Somebody you're meeting for the first time. You know, some people go to a party, you meet somebody, and you automatically think the person, you say, oh, I, I, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes ladies get carried away. Particularly ladies that are getting to that in the age that they consider to be marriageable age, and they're already dreaming of marriage. Okay? They are in love with the idea of marriage. Not necessarily in love with the man. Just in love with the idea of marriage. Okay? So, you know, they meet a guy. After one week, they say, oh, my God, it's like I've known you all my life. And the guy is saying, yeah, <laughs> you've known me all your life. This is just a guy that is just there. It's just what is still on the level of a prospect. You've made the person a confident. You've made them a confident. And this is what brings tremendous pain to people. Now, when their heart is not broken, they say, oh, this guy is this. No, you did not pay attention. You, turn, you try to turn a companion into a confident. Okay? We have to be very careful. People that want something from you, they don't want to relate with you. Be very careful. You know, sometimes they go, um, some group of people, and my heart goes out to them, and my heart breaks for them. They, uh, they were upset with me. They're upset with me. I'm, I'm using where maybe they are still upset with me. Um, they're upset also with the organization House of Praise. Why? Because these people said they were in, in their need, according to them, and the church did not do what they wanted the church to do. Okay? Now, these people don't come to House of Praise. They don't, they don't belong to House of Praise. They will tell you that. They're not even Christians, many of them. But they are people that have you know, come into the country through one means or the other. Refugee, you know, they claiming refugee, claiming all manner of things. Which is okay, I'm not knocking anybody. I understand immigration challenges. I understand it because I've been through it. But what do they want? They want the church to write a letter for them that they, we've known them for a long time, the members of this church. 
that they volunteer in the community so that they can use that letter as part of the process for the immigration papers. Now, I have, there's nothing wrong in somebody that is in the House of Praise that requires a letter or me giving them a reference or the church giving them a reference. That's not the problem at all. But it's completely contrary to integrity and the laws of integrity and the values of the kingdom of God. You that you're not a born-again Christian, nothing. Just because you look like me, sound like me, have my pigmentation, I should write you a letter. I don't know where you're coming from. Why will I do that? Why will I do that? You want something in the place where you don't have a relationship. That's completely wrong. So unapologetically, I said no. I am saying no, and I will forever say no. I will never do anything like that. Why will I give you a reference when I don't know you? I won't do that. What if tomorrow somebody else puts the letter and, you know, and they come and pick me and put me in a car and say, sit at the back and put my hand in my bag? What will I do? If it's same people will be the first ones to say, ah, the man is a thief. The man is, you know, is this and that and that. I will never do that. I will never do something that is illegal just to help somebody. No. If you really want to be helped, why don't you join a church? Why you, being in this country as a refugee does not prevent you from joining a church? I'm not saying necessarily a house of praise. There are gazillions of churches out there. Why don't you go there and say, you know what, I'm going to join a church. Join the church, speak to the leaders and tell them you want to serve in that church. Okay, and go serve in the church and serve in the church for a couple of months. They ask them, you know what, this is what I'm going through and so on and so forth. I'm in church. I would just like you guys to do this for me and all of that. Why don't you do that? But you want to sit in your house where you are and you want us to be writing you a letter when you've not done anything, when you don't belong to the church. Why should we lie for you? Praise God. I know some people will not like that, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I would rather please God than please man. Praise God. I'm not looking to be voted the most liked pastor in Canada. You know, I've already won the vote where it really matters in the Godhead. <laughs> Praise God. You know, so let's be careful. Who is the confidence? You have to graduate people for intimacy. Everybody that you meet starts as a companion. Don't be in a hurry. Keep them as a companion. Let them prove themselves. Let them prove themselves before you keep on moving, before you start moving them forward and make them a confidant. Then after you've told them many things about your life, you see your story on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media, and you are like, I can't believe this. You've got to be very, very careful. You know, you've got to be very, very careful. So as we go through this test of relationships, some of you are already going through a difficult period in your life right now because you, did not, you didn't apply some of these things. Okay? People have hurt you very deeply. I'm praying for you today that God will bring healing to your heart in Jesus' mighty name. God will heal you in Jesus' name. And that from henceforth, God will give you unusual, uncommon wisdom in the name of Jesus Christ to be able to go forward and not be deceived again in Jesus' mighty name and not be deceived again in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.